Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. Another week means another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy, Irfan Manji. Boys, a lot to talk about today. Kyle, how are you doing? Um, day started off rough, but doing the podcast now, going to Jay's game a little bit later, so I things are going to turn around. I think. Not a bad day after that, but rough start leads to a, a much better day in the end. <laughs> Irfan, yeah. how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Earlier for us today, a little tired. Us, but, yeah. Well, I'm good. I'm good. That's good to hear. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Austin Matthews is setting records left, right, and center. The Raptors have clinched a playoff spot. We're going to start with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or on Instagram at Academy. And we're going to start in the MLB. This season is underway, folks. Every team has played at least two games. And after a very, very rocky start for the Blue Jays, they're 2-0. and And looking pretty solid doing it, by the way. I would like to point that out. Other than the first two innings against Texas in Game 1, it's been fairly straightforward, eh, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely... An interesting first game, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, going down 7 nothing in the third inning, not exactly ideal on opening day. No. Um, although, going into that opening day, they had lost 10 straight on yeah. opening day. So, I mean, it seems to be a continued factor of they're not great on opening day. Um, but, I mean, they battled back. With, with this offense, it's, it's, it's electric. So, I mean... And no game, I guess you can count them out, but uh, definitely, definitely, still some things to work on. That's for sure. But definitely a great start. Irfan, what did you think about the uh, first game? Uh, well, I started laughing because there was the you know that that overarching Toronto panic after the first ten seconds <laughs> of the game, and I'm like scrolling through my feed, and it's the same Leaf fans that overreact, and you're like, guys. It's not even an inning in. Who cares? Yeah. Just let the, like, even if they lost game one, I would have been like, game one out of 162. I, it was just, it was the overreactions that got to me. And when Nick, you tweeted, I'm like, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Like, it's, they're a good team. They'll be fine. It's game one. But I, I think, you know, you can't start a, a, a Toronto sports team season without an overreaction. And we got one. So, <laughs> that's serious question that, here. This is, Totally off topic, but for both of you yeah. guys, is baseball the one sport that you could kind of get away with losing game one and not have to worry about momentum right out of the gate? Yeah. You like can a hundred, lose it's 162 10. games, right? Like there's so lose, much. You can lose the first 20 games and still end up finishing like with a 90 70 record or <clears throat> whatever the math comes up to. Like you're still going to be fine. Yeah. Because it's, it's a game where 
you know, bad pitching for a couple of months and you can get back into it. Uh, or sorry, good pitching and you can get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just it's so funny to see the overreactions on on game one. Like people were losing their minds, are like, oh Barrios isn't a, a top of the line starter. Yeah. Like, well, what are we doing with this lineup? We can't even can't even hold the Texas Rangers. I'm like, okay, Texas went out and mind you Timmy this and is Seager. The- Right, but mind you, these are the some of the fans that I was reading about uh, reading yeah. his tweets. Uh, they were, you know, ah, Matthew sucked today, and Marner sucked today. And <laughs> realized they're like the two best players in the what? So it's just funny when I see the overreaction, and you go, guys, deep breath, deep breath, just one game, deep breath, just one game. They'll be there at the end of the season. Also, who had Danny Jansen hitting the first hit, uh, hit for the Jays this season? No, <laughs> I'm not surprised though. I'm shocked that no one before him got a hit. Well, yeah, Seven John, John Gray was no hitting him through three. So, two. Yeah. That Jansen got a Jansen got a single in the in the third inning. That was the fourth when they actually scored a run. No, no, no. Jansen got a hit the in the third inning because he was eighth in the lineup. He had to have come up. There's no way he got to the fourth. No. They were. I think they were a little eager to hit at the plate in the first two innings and that slider was just moving mm-hmm. hey you gotta you gotta play the pitcher and he he pitched well for the first two innings first three innings really now and, you got a blister and a boo-boo and, yeah, and then then they figured him out and the bullpen had no chance they had no chance against the jays they were just too good after that which is i mean great to watch uh around the league Everything kind of happened the way I expected it to, right? Like the only the only team that I was a little bit shocked doesn't have a win yet is probably the Twins. But then you look who they're playing; they're playing Seattle. Yeah, so it's like okay, can't really. I mean, really fault them. To be honest, the the biggest surprise is the Cubs being two and zero against the Brewers. Yeah, but I don't know about this Brewers team this year, so I'm not shocked by that. And the Cubs were at home. I just the Cubs are a terrible team. That's all I know. I know, but that you have to admit Wrigley Field is like a fortress for them, right? So the fact that they're at home opening weekend, like they're probably got a lot of boost from the fans. And I just yeah. don't know about the Brewers team, so I'm not shocked by it. But you're right. Like maybe that's a shock. I think the biggest shock to me is that the Dodgers aren't two and zero against the Rockies. Or one and one. I just. The rest, of the, the rest of the things all kind of played out exactly how I thought they were going to. And we still have, obviously, games today. Every single team plays today to finish Ooh. off their first series, I believe. Um, I don't think it's all going to go the same way. Like, I don't expect any surprises today either. Jays have Ryu going against the Rangers. I think he's going to handle this lineup pretty, pretty straightforward because they're hyped up on the fastball. and. He doesn't really throw a fastball. Well, he throws what they consider a fastball. It's not a fastball, but it's a, <clears throat> by definition, he throws a fastball grip. Right. But I mean, like in comparison to the other pitchers that they've seen so far, the Rangers, Ryu's fastball is not really a fastball and they're hyped up on the other fastball. So they're not going to hit any. They're not going to get oh, it. 100%. It'll be a fun game for you to watch today. Oh, it'll be a very quick game. I'll be out of there by 2.30. Nothing wrong with that. Quick baseball game and back home. <laughs> yeah, get back home, spend time with the family. Yeah, it's good. Exactly. 
Uh, Earth One, did you see any surprises so far? In the MLB? No. In the MLB? Uh, I'm surprised uh, Kimbrel didn't uh, blow his save, actually, <laughs> in game one. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what are we getting out of him when he came out of the bullpen? And you're like, well, that's that's what they wanted from him. So good save there. Um, otherwise, not too much surprise that the Yankees... Yeah, the Yankees Red Sox series has been interesting as well. Um, they they've just going at each other. They you can tell they hate each other. So it's wonderful. Yeah. I kind of hope that they just beat up on each other all year, and the Jays can kind of like just sneak through. <laughs> yeah, well, like the the good thing with the Jays is I think they have a, a tougher schedule now, and then yeah. I think June July is when they actually get the Orioles from fifteen of their last fifty four games against the Orioles. So I think if they play consistently well now, and you know, strong two to two and a half months. I think they're in a good position. Fair enough. Speaking of the Jays, I want to get into this conversation because this is something that I've Mm. been asking people since Friday. And I want to get into this conversation with you guys because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. But does this Jays team feel different to you than the Jays teams that we've seen? Like, obviously, we're all the same age, so we can only go back so far. But does this team feel different than the 2011 team that we brought in Reyes and Tulowitzki and R.A. Dickey and all those guys? Does it feel different from that 2015-2016 run with Donaldson and all those guys, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I was watching that game on Friday, and I had no concern. Even when we were down 7 nothing in the third inning, like, you just kind of felt like this team was going to be like, ah, it's fine, we got this. And they did. So... Is this team different from what we've seen in the past? Irfan, I'll start with you. Simple answer, yes. Um, just because, you know, 7 nothing down, I wasn't panicking. Also, it was game one, so uh, yeah. that pressure wasn't there. But no, it doesn't surprise me. They have enough hitting. Like, hell, if Jansen can get your first hit of the game, what does that tell you? Like, <laughs> everyone's going to hit for you at one point. Um not worried. The bullpen looked fine. Uh, I mean, starting pitching might be a big question mark, but yesterday they rebounded well. So, like, yes, I think the, to answer that question, yeah, it's probably better. Can I say that? Better than that 2011 team? Better than that 2015-2016 team? I think it might be the best rostered lineup for the Blue Jays since their, their World Series or the early 90s when they were very good in, in, in baseball. So the fact that we're not worried tells us the difference where as you know when they went down in 2015 2011 when Ari Dickey had a bad game from because his knuckleball wasn't moving you're like okay well they're not coming back because they're gonna get shut down because they're just gonna go up there hacking instead of being smart about it this team you know to me they're not gonna go out there hacking obviously that slider was nasty on Chapman there but it's fine like it, it, they're gonna be okay one at, one at bat was bad the second at bat, they're not going to do it again. And you saw after the third inning, they were fine because they adjusted. Yeah. I felt when, you know, when Batista and Edwin were up there, even Tula was up there, they'd be like, okay, we're going to go hack and try and get a home run. The guys now are like, let's get on base. Let's, let's make some noise. So I think that's my biggest difference. That's why they feel different. Huh? Well, yeah, I, think, I think the biggest difference that everyone nailed it right there is all, all of our hitters aren't hitting 250 with 30 bombs. They're hitting... 275 to 300 with 30 bombs. It's it's one of those, they're being a lot more consistent when it comes to average. They're getting on base, they're doing whatever. Like George Springer 
didn't exactly have the greatest game in the first one, but walked three times to get on base. Like you can't ask for much more than that in your on your leadoff hitter. Huh. Yes, of course, you would love a Springer to go, you know, hit a home run, but Springer dinger. Him, him getting on base allowed everybody else to go around again, right? So it's one of those. It's th- this team's definitely definitely feels different. I think the offense is something that nobody's ever going to worry about. To no. me, the biggest question mark is still pitching. I mean, and, and I think if you look at this lineup, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those like it it feels different. But at the same time, and Earth before before we were talking, Earth on nail it. It's it's the Toronto resentment, I think, is what it is, and, and the urge to hold back on their expectations because it's a Toronto team. Something bad's going to happen eventually. It's just kind of how that works. So I think that's kind of where all the reserve is coming for the Jays. Where it's like, oh, here we go again, seven nothing in the third inning. But then it's like. Well, this offense is pretty good. They might have a shot. Yeah. Honestly, it all came down to the bullpen. It was one of those, if the bullpen gives up more runs, it's over. But the bullpen is now a strength for us. Exactly. Seems like. So them like basically stopping the bleeding, so so to say, is it was huge. That was that was the biggest thing. Was, yeah. I mean, I'm still not a fan of Pi Piamps or what the heck's his name? I don't know. Well, um, no, was it Piamps or who? Who's I'll the guy that came in second? I'll say yeah, that. not a fan. He can leave. Don't care. Well, he um, wasn't. To be fair, he wasn't supposed to make the lineup. If injuries to Barucki and Pearson didn't occur, well, injuries and illness, he wouldn't have yeah. been on the roster. Yeah, you can still probably find something better, right? But because they were, and he pitched last year in the majors, he was the guy who was brought onto the roster just until these guys come back. But as soon as Barucki's back, he's probably gone. So we probably won't have to worry about Salcedo for very long. That's right. we can only hope. But, um, but no, I think you guys are both right. And I was like, I was watching that game on Friday, and I'm like, okay, I'm not worried about this team. Yeah, it sucks that Barrios had a bad outing, but guess what? He's a starting pitcher. They're allowed to have one or two bad outings in a, in like a stretch. It happens. The fact that our bullpen was so good on Friday gave me a lot of hope because they looked really good. What? They gave up four runs total across eight innings? Eight and two-thirds innings? Yeah. Right? Like, that's pretty solid outing for a bullpen when you have to pitch eight and two-thirds innings. I'll take that pretty much all the time. And they limited how much was happening at one given in one given inning, which was huge. That back end with uh, Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, um, and Jordan Romano looks very, very good. I, I kind of like the difference between the three of them. Yeah. Right? And you mentioned it, Kyle. The lineup is just great. This is one of the best lineups, one through nine, in the majors. And let's not, let's not mince words. Santiago Espinal has had two huge hits already this season. Yep. Right? Two huge doubles, RBI doubles. Like he's like two for four or two for five, and both of his hits have been RBI doubles. Yeah, I, I, would, I would, honestly would not be surprised if he's, if he's starting today. No, but you know what? I don't mind them having Biggio in because Biggio's looked super <laughs> good as, def- as a defender at that second base position. So it's not like you're, yes, he hasn't necessarily done anything at the plate but he's in the nine hole like if that's the biggest issue that you have is your nine hole hitters not hitting guess what i'm gonna take it like, well, he, that's how good this lineup is he literally looks like an automatic out right now when it comes to offense 
and that yes, and I agree that that's a problem. But he's mm-hmm. also faced. I mean, Gray looked very good in the first game, and he only got one at bat. Biggio. Sure. They pinch hit. They pinch hit for him in his second at bat. So. Yeah. Let's take that with a grain of salt. And then, yes, yesterday he didn't look great. I will admit that, and I'm not. I'm not going to mince words. But he did get a walk. Right? Like I'm pretty sure he had a walk. It was like a three-two count. He got walked. So you know what? He's getting on base still, like he always does. So I'm I'm okay with him being the nine hole or Espinal being the nine hole hitter. That's fine. This lineup is that good. He has not walked. He didn't walk. Okay, so he worked a three-two count and had a and fouled a couple off. Like he he was he was, he was over he was over two with two strikeouts yesterday. Okay, so it was a strikeout. I, for some reason, I thought he had a walk. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. Like that's the nine hole, right? Yes, you yeah. want your nine hole guy to have some sort of production, and Santiago mm-hmm. has. So I'm, I, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised like you if he's in the starting lineup today. But this is a good lineup. This is a very good lineup. Team, it, it feels different. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about Biggio: if Espinal was a lefty, Biggio would not be in the starting lineup ever. No, he'd be a bench player. I don't know. I don't mind him being a bench player. That's a very good bench player. Guy can play anywhere. Like literally, he could play anywhere, but I mean, he could play catcher. He has played catcher. No, just because his dad played catcher doesn't. <laughs> no, no, he he played catcher in the minors multiple times. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't a one off thing. Like he has played catcher. I wouldn't put him there in the majors, but he has played catcher. That's like saying Kirk played outfield in the in the minors. He can play outfield in the majors. No, no, no. Kirk st- sits his butt behind the plate. Or he's DH. That's all he can do. I would not be shocked if Kirk is the like go straight for it DH once Zach Collins is in the mix, like fully in the mix. What is delaying him from being here, by the way? I I don't know. Because him and Zimmer were both delayed. You know, Zimmer showed up yesterday, I know that. Because yeah. Kato's getting sent down. Is he? They, well, they, he, they had a meeting with the manager yesterday and Atkins. They all met in, in the, after the game. So I'm assuming he's getting sent down to, for Zimmer to be activated. Oh, I like Kato. He was really good in spring training. Anyways, yeah. not the point. <laughs> um, yeah, but like once that Collins is in, I would not be shocked if Kirk is just a straight DH. Yeah, just because like that injury that he had last year for his IT band, that, that's not an injury that is easy to get over as a catcher. No, so I just wouldn't be shocked. Or he might make like spot starts as a catcher, but most yeah. like eighty-five to ninety percent of his games is going to be DH. I feel like. Mm-hmm. All right, that'll do it for our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy for more information. We're going to keep it rolling, boys. And boy, was it an interesting week for one Mr. Austin Matthews. He just decides to uh, go on a record streak and break as many as he can in five days. (laughs) Sets the new franchise record in goals for a Leaf. Also set the NHL record for most goals by an American-born player. Very important to specify that because Brett Hall also was an American player, but he was born in Belleville. 
is four seasons with more goals than Austin Matthews right now. So we're not there yet, Austin Matthews. Um, how impressive has this week been, though? Like, Kyle, the guy just set multiple records. He's also like one game short of tying Rick Vive for most multi-goal games in a season. Hmm. Poor Rick I mean, Vive is losing all his records. Well, and Rick said it the best. He honestly said records are there to be broken. He's happy to have them broken. So, um, honestly, it's been, a, it's been a great stretch. And I think um, it's a weird, weird feeling right now. Leafs fans actually have some confidence going into the playoffs, I think, right now. Um, hold, hold on. Do we have confidence going into the playoffs or do we have happiness going into the playoffs? Because I, I feel like I that's think, two I, very different things. I honestly think there's confidence because I, it feels like like the biggest thing is Matthews and Martyr always disappear in the in the playoffs yeah. is what the big thing is, right? This year, it's kind of like the Jays. It feels different. It does. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a regular year where oh, okay, Matthews puts up points. He feels like it feels like he is a legitimate could go out there and score at least a goal every night in the playoffs. Like that's what it seems like yep. the way he's playing on that level right now is what it seems like. So I think like Leafs fans for, for the very first time actually have confidence. And I'm sorry to say, Irfan, but I want to beat up on the big bad Bruins and make it to the second round. I, I, I want to play the Bruins in the, second, in the first round. Yeah. And, and right now it's looking like that. Obviously, in the last couple of weeks, things could very well change. But it, it does look like it could be that matchup. And in me, what's more fitting than beating the Bruins and getting out of the first round? I think that'd be a very fitting thing to to have. You exercise your demons. Oh, it's true. If you're a Leafs like, fan, like we also, also match up also, better. Well, that's the thing. It's like, would you rather play Tampa or Boston in the first round? I'd rather play Boston. <laughs> Just a matchup thing at this point for the Leafs. They match up better against Boston this season than they do against Tampa or Florida. Well, or that's the thing is, is no nobody really matches up against Florida or Tampa. Other than themselves, like yeah, that's true. If, if first off, if that's a second round matchup, if it's Florida Tampa in the second round, that is going to be an outstanding second round. <laughs> yeah, because it can't happen in the first round, can it? Uh, no. Could. Well, like, no, it could. Mean, no. If Tampa, yeah, but then if Tampa Was- keeps Washington, yeah. Washington would have to win every single game, and Tampa would have to lose every single game. Yeah, like well, not every single game, but most of them. Well, well there's just six, six point six points right now. Yeah. yeah, with and they've 10, yeah. 10 or eleven with, games to go. With eleven actually. games to go, but even then, eleven games to go, you're gonna ask Tampa to lose six of those. Like that's a lot to ask. I know. Well, no, I know. I'm just, their last... I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like it's not every game. They only need to. It's a three game flip. I mean, yeah. I guess they te- they technically have lost four straight. Sorry. Yeah, they're four four and two in the last ten. Right. They're not doing well. Washington's six and four, so they're not doing much better. Tampa plays nobody. I just looked at their. I just looked at their schedule. They play yeah. nobody. <laughs> yeah. So well, I mean, they play Dallas, who's fighting for a playoff spot. So that could be yeah. a tough game. They there's, play Toronto once, and then they play three, Florida. That's literally yeah. it. And then Nashville. I guess you could throw that in there too. There's yeah, you can potentially potentially four losses. Even then, they're they're going to be Columbus back to back. Like they're going to be the Islanders. Like, yeah. and, and if you look at the cap schedule, the cap schedule is. They play Boston. <laughs> Boston, Leafs, Colorado, Vegas, Leafs again, Islanders twice, and end with the Rangers. Hey, if you want to make the playoffs and go in hot, why not? Oh, I was say, they got to do it somewhere else. 
Ah, that's the loving game. So you know, I'll not- add to you what you said, Kyle. Uh, yeah. I think, but the thing is with the Leafs this year, I, I said this last week, aside from goaltending, that's the only question mark. They can take on the Panthers. I think they can take on the Lightning. I think they can take on anyone in the Metro. They're a good team. Yeah. Um, and if they're going to get Boston in the first round, I'll, I'll be one of the first people to say to you, it's going to be a good series. And I think they'll win this year because if you go line by line, yeah, Boston spread the offense out with their first two lines, but the Leafs have more depth. Yeah. That's what it's going to come down to. And, and honestly, it's going to come down to which Campbell you get. You're going to get the Campbell you got before the injury, or you're going to get the Campbell who went shot for shot with Carey Price last year. Like, it depends which Campbell you're going to get. If you get the Campbell that shot, shot for shot, you better hope that, you know, Swayman or Allmark, whoever ends up playing, plays the exact same. Like, you have to hope that yeah. – it, it's going to, it's honestly, it could come down to a goaltending battle. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a good goaltending battle or who keeps the puck out a little bit more than the other. Well, it's if, if, if the last time they played each other was any indication, you can't trade goals with Toronto for Boston because <clears> Toronto <throat> just goes, ah, well, let's run up the score because we don't give a shit. We'll yeah, score Toronto, 10 goals. Toronto has to. scores on three lines right now. Well, that's the thing, right? Like you can't trade that unless Boston shuts it down and goes, okay, we're just going to, shut you down it's gonna be a very boring series and mm-hmm. i don't think they're gonna let that happen they're gonna go back and forth so what do you i gotta ask because this is totally off topic but what do you guys think of the new line formation for the leafs right now where they have bunting math bunting matthews marner we knew about whatever the second mm-hmm. line is currently mckay of tavares kerfoot and the third line is nylander camp and engvall What do you think of that? Like, I actually like it. I think it's actually spread mm-hmm. out a lot more of the scoring. Nylander's looked very good on that third line, by the way. I think he, in yeah. the games that he's played. I actually on paper, like it. it doesn't scare you. But when you watch the way they play, I think each player complements each other very well. Like, the yeah. pace of the third line is very good. Like, I don't know what happened to Engwell this year, but the guy's looking a lot faster, a lot more hungrier. He's going into the dirty zones yeah. where you don't really expect a lot of your top forwards to want to get into. I mean, Tavares goes there, but we're always afraid he might just, something will go wrong because that's what happened. Trip, wood, right? <laughs> right. But like having Engvall on that third line with Nylander, it forces Nylander to move around mm-hmm. in the slot a lot. And we've yeah. seen him like a little vulture. And I think that's doing a lot more for his game. Whereas when he was with Tavares, he actually had to do a lot of the grind where Kerfoot's doing that now. Mikhaev's doing that now. It, it kind of, I like it. It's balancing it out, and I think they look yeah. better for it. So they're not worried about defensive stats. They're own. They're in the offensive zone for most of it. It's like rush after rush. It's what Tampa did with that Coleman Goudreau line. It's very similar to that in terms of the speed. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I think honestly, I think the best signing in the offseason was David Camp because I think David Camp makes everybody better on that line. David Camp kind of honestly eases all the tension for everybody else in that line and allows them to just go play their game. David Kemp, you know, he, I'll say he's like a, a very light, light version of a Bergeron type of thing where he's a, he's a center a who's out there. He does a little bit of everything, but he's great in his own end. Yeah. And if he's in your own end, you, you're just that much at more at ease, right? You don't have to worry and stress. Oh my God, the puck's in our zone. Oh my God, what are we going to do? When Kerfoot's your center in the third line, you're freaking out a little bit trying to make sure, hey, the puck's got to get the hell out of the, out of the zone. Fair but enough. when you got balls in the corner, as Irfan said, like Engvall honestly took a step up. I was a huge anti-Engvall person. Yes, you were. I called him giraffe neck. Like, I hated the guy. <laughs> but, like, 
him and him and Mikhaev this year have taken huge steps forward, yes. and, and they've just been difference making. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Their forecheck like, has been amazing. Well, Mikhaev, if if it's a sh- if if we're shorthanded, I'm perfectly okay being shorthanded because we have a better chance of scoring than half the pe- half the teams in the NHL right now yep. on their power play. Like Mikhaev's got breakaway speed that just came out of nowhere. So like. Like he's always been fast, but never you never really saw it because he didn't have any of that offense part of an offensive part of his game to really complement it. Like now he's you know if he's one on one with the goalie, he's not just shooting it right away and hitting the goalie's pad. Like he's actually taking time, maybe making a teeth or whatever. So to get back to that, I think Nylander is the type of guy where he's a little bit more free to do his own thing and he's free to use his speed yes. and his offensive ability on that third line because. Engvall's going to get the puck in the corner. Camp's going to do his thing. So if Nylander can go for his skate all the way around the offensive zone, he can do the full 360 if he wants. Yeah. And I honestly, I think it'll be interesting if there's a chance that Kasha comes back. I don't know where Kerfoot's going to fit. Because I think Kasha goes to, goes back to that second line with Tavares. Kasha was never on the second line. <clears throat> yeah, he was. He was playing with no. Tavares. No, he played like two games. On the second line. He was on the third line with Camp because they were the one two combo on that third line. They were so good together. Yeah. So it was they dropped Kerfoot down for what, like two or three games on the third line and they moved Kasha up trying to get William and Tavares going. Kerfoot was on the fourth line for a couple weeks. He was centering the fourth line. Right. But they dropped him down. They moved Kasha up for, as you said, two weeks. Yeah. Right? So five games maybe. I kinda I kinda feel bad for Spatz though today. And Wayne Simmons does not look good. Kyle Clifford looks good. Clifford looks good, but Wayne Simmons looks yeah. Wayne Simmons looks off right now. I don't know what it is, and it's been a huge change. Like at the beginning of the year, I thought Wayne Simmons looked really good, even when he wasn't scoring. Like he was still involved in the play. He's looked awful yeah. the last like four weeks. Yeah, not not great this week. He's not looking good. Anyways, but to, find but out. to get back we'll to your, to, to say, yeah, to get back to your your original statement, Matthews feels different this year. He feels different. And a question that I've been throwing around, and I kind of want to get your opinions on it because I think it's a, it's a fair question to ask. Yep. Is this the greatest individual Toronto sports season that in history? Not just that we've ever seen, but in history. Like individual stats, individual season by any Toronto athlete, any sport, Raptors, Leafs, Blue Jays, Argos, anything. Because there's been some very impressive seasons. Like, I can think of, like, Giovinco's MVP season for, for TFC. 22 goals, 13 assists, and 33 games. It's an incredible season. Vladdy, last year, was second in MVP voting. Right? Jose Bautista, 54 home runs in a season for the Jays. Vince Carter still holds multiple single-season scoring records for the Raptors for his 99-2000 season. Delgado's huge year in 2000 as well, right? These are incredible seasons. Oh, I can even talk some Leaf ones, right? Like me and Irfan were talking off air. What about Doug Gilmore's 127-point season where he had 95 assists? Yeah. Where does this rank for you, Irfan, as, the, as great individual seasons in Toronto sports history? I, I think like any sort of record or any sort of individual season it, it, it'll take a couple of years for us to truly appreciate it because right now in the back of my mind i keep thinking doc holiday's cy young season oh, uh, yeah. 20 plus wins 
just like Doc in general for what he did for a Jays team that wasn't very good for a very long time. You know, I'm thinking Pinball Clemens in the 90s, right? As individual seasons where he like dragged the Argos to great cups. Um, you, you mentioned Batista, you mentioned Matt Sundin um, being the heart and soul of that Leafs team in the early 2000s for a very long time. So like, I think if you asked us this question in three years, it's probably going to be the best individual season. Like if he comes out with a, with a heart trophy or some sort of trophy at the end of this season, probably. But at the same time, if, if Vladdy won MVP last year, I would have said Vladdy because it was like, he was absolutely dirty. He was so good. So give it a year or two and then ask us that question. I know that's not what you're looking for in this answer, but there's other great talents. And I keep thinking doc, like for me, it's doc. Um, you mentioned Carter at the top of the, the, the part there, but I don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's so early, but I will say this, that as I think he might be the most lethal Leaf scorer I've ever seen. He might be at the top as one of the best Leaf players of all time already. Yeah. Like he's 24 and he's halfway through games played, points scored as Matt Sandin has. He'll beat it. And when he does, we'll have that conversation that he's better than Matt Sandin for sure. Fair enough. Kyle, what about you? What do you, what do you think? I don't think it's uh, the top individual season. I think it's a great season. Don't get me wrong. I think in order to honestly, in order to be top three, I would think he has to win the heart trophy. In my personal opinion. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think the goal scoring is great, but there's other seasons that have just been untouched. I mean, literally, if you look at Delgado's 2000 season, it's un, unreal. He hit, he hit 344 with 41 home runs and 137 RBIs. If you did that in today's world, you're winning the Triple Crown and you're winning the MVP unanimously. Nobody else is getting a vote. Like, like that's of a season. And the fact that he only, he, like, the fact that Delgado finished fourth in MVP voting that year is just <laughs> absurd. But, um, like, to me, like, that, that's of a season. That, that's just one of those ones where it's like, you put it on a mantle, right? Yeah. The, th- the thing with Matthews' season this year is Matthews could beat this season next year. That's the only thing. It's like, and I, I think I'm almost holding out hope that this isn't his best season. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, if this is, if this is p- his pinnacle, I want another step, right? If, if you're making 12, like $11 million in the season, this is exactly what I would expect from you. And I yeah. think Marner is kind of doing that too he's making his money more worth it because he's finally scored 30 goals. And but that was, and now that was never going to be Marner's strength. He was always going to no, be an assist. No, no but, but it's one of those, if you're, if you're getting paid $11 million, you can't have 15 goals. I'm sorry. You can't okay. have 15. Goals, right. If Fair you're, enough. if you're putting up 20 to 30, that's better. And I think that's more, more like now Marner's actually, well, first off, Marner's now dangerous because he actually found a shot. Yeah. So it's all of a sudden now, now all of a sudden <laughs> it makes the Leafs a lot more dangerous where it's not just Matthews who's shooting. Yep. If you're playing the pass and you leave Marner open, he can shoot and score. So it's like, I think these two type of players' seasons are are what I now expect out of these two players. So okay. I think I think them taking the next level and maybe Matthews goes for 115 points. Maybe that's the pinnacle. Maybe that's his season. And if he scores 60 goals and has 150, 115 points, then that is his best season. Not necessarily him scoring 65, but having 100 points. Like that's, that's kind of my, more my thing where it's, I think there's more room for him to grow. So I don't, I wouldn't give him the best season ever yet. Where does it rank for you though? 
I would probably say, I'd probably say three, four right now, I would say. Okay. Um, so it's still up there. It's not like it's not within conversation, at least. No, no, 100%. 100%. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. He set the Leafs, Leafs record. Leafs have been around for a very long time. The fact that he set the Leafs record in goals, it's impressive. I, I'm not going to deny that. That's the biggest thing. So, But there's, as I said, I think there's another step to him. So I'm not going to give it right now. As Irfan said, in three or four years, if he doesn't amass this one, then then we maybe look back at it and say, okay, I know that was his best season, not even close. Okay, no, I was just, I was just curious. I, I think you guys yeah. both have very valid points, and um, it's an interesting conversation to have because it's hard to compare across sports, obviously, to try to put it into perspective. What you said about Delgado, Delgado's my second favorite Blue Jay of all time, behind Doc Holliday. But that season yeah. was incredible. Like, just watching him go through that season. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that 93 Jays team that had three guys bat over 326. They led, all three of them led the AL. They were the top three in the American League that season. There's a lot right there. Like, that's, that's impressive stats. 100%. So, and they won the World Series. <laughs> Can't really go wrong doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some incredible seasons in Toronto sports history, and we didn't even talk about it in the Argos once. There's been some incredible Argos seasons as well. So, Absolutely. like, there's so much that you could talk about, but we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, now the fun question comes, and mm-hmm. Kyle's gonna hate this question, mm-hmm. but it's been thrown around a lot this week. I know Carlo on first up on TSN 1050 had is f- totally for saying this. Is Matthews the greatest leaf of all time? Kyle? No. Thank you. Like, it's, it's not a debate right now. I'm sorry. Too early. It's way, it's way too early. As Irfan said, he's not even halfway up the record books. You can't immediately say, no, nope, he's the best of all time. Could he be? Absolutely. Not even a question. Right now, not close. Irfan? Yeah. Uh, you know, that might be one of the best goal scorers we've ever seen. Most lethal shots, most lethal eye for goal. Sure. Most skilled player is a much different sure. debate. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Greatest leaf of all time. I can list 10 that I would consider bigger <laughs> leafs. It's true, though. No, it's, I, it's true. I agree with you guys, but this is, a, this is a conversation that has been had in <laughs> leaf circles. So I wanted to have it with you guys. That's right. I think leaf fans are delusional. That's why. You know what it is? <laughs> it's. It's recency bias because they haven't seen a, a, a good Leaf player. Keon, Sittler, Gilmore, years, all of those guys. Like, we haven't seen anyone take over a Leafs game since Matt Cindy. Yeah. So, like, sure. the fact that that generation was, like, five when that happened, and now they're, like, 30, and they're, like, oh, like, he's so good. And it's, like, okay, but if you were to go back in Leafs history, the vast history that we have, like Kyle said, you can name 10 players that are probably better than him. I think I think Borges Salming is a better player, a better Borges Leaf Salming. than him. Yeah? Yeah. He's one of my did favorite Leafs. Did you see him at the game yesterday? No. He was up in one of the booths with a bunch of like a bunch of his buddies, right? They were in one. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the thing. Like you can name so many other players. And if you ask people generationally, like Kyle, ask your dad who he thinks is the greatest leaf of all time. And he'll probably say someone from the eighties, like, 
like he like, might say Wendell Clark, for example, who he, he started loved, off he as a defenseman. Sittler. He loves right? Sittler. And yeah. Sittler's right? off. It's my dad too. Right? Like he's it's there's so many wonderful players from yeah. our past that it's hard. But again, wait till he finishes his career at 34, 35 and is breaking every single record, and you're like, okay. Yeah. As, That's honestly, the conversation. As, as soon as he passes his franchise list of like points, then he's there. No problem. I got, I got no problem putting him there. But until he gets to number one on that list, you can't consider him all, all time great. <clears throat> I, I agree with especially you. I'm not, I'm not like, arguing that. Yeah. And especially when he's like, you know, that, that rumor that keeps coming up that he doesn't want to be in Toronto or something. And you're like, well, okay. So if he leaves, he's never going to be the greatest leaf of all time ever. The other thing is, everybody's like, yeah, go back to Arizona. Why in the hell would he want to go back to Arizona? Because <laughs> he can beat the records in three years. <laughs> he could beat it in a season if he wanted to. Like, sorry. Like, Shane Doan was great, but, like, that's Shane it. Also had you no need help. anybody else? Like, he had no help, yeah. that poor guy. <laughs> Name another Arizona player. I don't know. I think Jovanovski played there for a season. Mike Bill Smith, Kessel. Rafi Torres. That's all I can tell you. Phil yeah. Kessel. <laughs> Cold cheeseburger locker Kessel. <laughs> it's true though. Like it's it's ridiculous. The most skilled leaf player of all time. That's a conversation that we could have. I don't really want to have that today. We can do that at the end of the season. That's 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 tough because then you're going back that's generations tough and it's tough to compare. That's a tough one. But I think of Frank. That's a more realistic conversation though. Okay. Right now, that's a more realistic conversation. Hundred percent. Right. But not this. I would like to point out he's only three goals behind Wendell Clark all time on Leafs. Kind of surprised by that. Whereas he, well, Wendell Clark was not exactly known as a big goal scorer. I know, but like we always think the big names from like the 80s and 90s were like Sittler, Clark, Gilmore, Anderchuk, right? And I know Anderchuk wasn't with the Leafs for that long, so he's not going to be very high on, on the list. But like Sittler's at 389, Wendell Clark's at 260. Like, it just it it just feels like it should be more. Okay, so I just looked up I just looked up Arizona all time points leaders. <laughs> all this should so be good. Shane Shane Doan nine fifty five. Yeah, that's a, it's good. It's a good, good career. Can you guess 955? who number fifty five? Yes. Can yeah. you guess who number two is? Bill Castle. Rafi Torres. No, unfortunately not. Oh, damn. <laughs> who? It's a, it's a defenseman. <laughs> is it uh, OEL Ekman Larson? Yeah, with 388 points. He's number two. <laughs> yeah, Matthews will beat that next year. would like to point out Shane Doan would have been second in Leafs all time. Yeah. With that oh, many no, that, that's the thing. It's like Shane Doan had a great career. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to take away from anything with Shane Doan. But other than Shane Doan, Jeremy yeah, Roenick yeah. is third at 379. Yeah, because he finished his career in there. Yeah. Like you, but you think about Arizona, they think about what, like Keith Tachuk, Martin Hansel, like that type of stuff. Hansel's at three thirteen total. Yeah. Clayton Keller right now is at two fifty six through three hundred sixty games. He's number nine on the list. Clayton Keller is number nine. What are you talking about? Points by Coyotes. Points? Are we only talking? Just the Coyotes franchise? Yes. I'm thinking the franchise. Yes. Just the well, Coyotes franchise. So th- back to the Nordique days, too. No, oh, that's Colorado. Or uh, not Nordique, sorry. Jets. Uh, 
Jets. Sorry. Um, this is just like, a, I'm on. Is... I'm on Hockey Reference. I'm looking at it. It also only has 972 for Shane Dome. Not sure where there's a discrepancy, but Dale Howarchuk had 929 for the because Jets. Because you're going back to the original right. Jets. Thomas Steele. So I, I, I guess they're they're, they're they probably had six. Kachuk also played for the Jets, so he's at 623. So they they probably threw that over onto the Jets as rather than yeah, and more yeah. more considering this. So we're just looking at the Yokes then. We're not okay. looking that's at fair. that yeah. Jets, but yes, because yeah. so that's I'm, the, I'm that's just been looking the at joke like, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot that. OEL's eighth on this list. Yeah. Yeah. That also says a lot about the fact that seven of the top eight, or, well, sorry, six of the top seven are from before they moved to Arizona. Yeah. Yes. Well, that just tells you more about the, the Yotes organization than anything else. Well, and, um, and, 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 and how many of those points were actually when they were considered Arizona, and how many of those points were only when they were, when, when they were the Jets? I would say 95% of those points for half of those guys, other than Doan, were when they were the, the, the actual Jets rather than Arizona. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. Anyways, um, we'll move on. One thing that we should keep an eye out, though, is if Matthews continues to make the playoffs, is if he can beat Clark's 34 playoff goals record. Like that to me, if he can surpass. And no, like over, total. Clark's had 34 no playoff Clark goals. Did that in a season. No, no, no. I meant like overall. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I mean, if Matthews can beat that, I'm, by all means, let's have that conversation. Uh, I, honestly, I, I, I truly, truly do believe this. Matthews and Marner will cement their Leafs legacies, I guess, mm-hmm. if they perform in the playoffs and carry the Leafs to more than just a round. I think if, if they go on a small run and they do it consistently for three or four years, yeah. I think they will cement their legacies as being one You're of the best Ready for this? If Matthews and Marner lead this team to a cup in the next three seasons, right? I'm going to give them three seasons. Does that move Matthews all the way to the top of the greatest lead player of all time conversation? I think it would definitely give him a lot better edge, 100%. Because no one else is. How sad is it that just by getting a cup, he moves all the way to the top? We were just saying we have to see this for multiple years. We got to see him finish his career, see how he does. If he wins a cup this year with the Leafs, how how high does he jump up that list? <laughs> well, well that, let that, me it, add this. I was gonna say same point would be like Josh Allen winning a Super Bowl for Buffalo. He'd immediately go to the top quarterback of all time for Buffalo. Like Jim Kelly, who? No, it would be Josh Allen who brought him to the Super Bowl. Right, but how far back is is Josh Allen right now in that conversation? Probably three or four. Probably very similar right. to where Austin Matthews is in conversation. So it's, but that's what I mean, like. This, these two franchises, okay, you picked two of the perfect franchises for my argument here. That's, yeah. how, that's how strapped these two franchises are for wanting a uh, championship. Oh, and immediately, they jump to the top of the list because they, they want a Listen. championship. Well, like you, you, think, you think about it, it's the exact same thing as Kawhi. Kawhi is considered the top three Raptor of all time. He played one free. In, in my mind, he's not. In my mind, he's not. No, half, of the, half of these NBA writers are all like, no, because he won the chip and you. brought it to he, Toronto, all of a sudden he's a top three rapper. I'm like, right, because oh, it never came to Toronto. If Austin Matthews can take the Leafs even to the Stanley Cup finals, we can yeah. still have this conversation because no Leafs done that in the last 50, 60 years. If they get to the conference finals, and they'll be like, well, Matt did that. Let's start with King. Let's start with one. Let's get one. We're giving Win one round, he goes inside the top 10. Win two rounds, he's top five. Eastern Conference Final, 
You win that top three, top three, not even a question. Yeah, and then you Wins win the Stanley Cup number one. Screw Tundine. <laughs> who Tundine? Who? What? I, say, so, I actually think I think Keon's number one. Keon's mm-hmm. number one. The guy won Keon four who? cups. Keon who? No, no, no. Yeah. Keon stays number one if they only win one cup. If they win two, it's over. The game Listen, over. Though, in this, Dude, in this if, era, yeah. in this era, one cup is probably all they get average. I understand. If, if the, if the, I don't think. I don't think you understand. If the Leafs win the cup, nobody can say anything to Leafs fans anymore. Nobody's gonna know what the hell to say. It's true. Well, Sixty-seven. What? Yeah, more than sixty. Oh wait, you did win. Sixty-seven. Uh, well, you can't win. You can't get past. Um, well, so more so for to, for people to kind of zip it is what we're going for is why we want them to win. Hundred <laughs> percent. Shut the fans up. Get everybody out of here. Like, <laughs> I just hope they stay humble, guys. That's all I want. Well, they made Some the play- fans they are not humble, the playoff man. spot yesterday, so we're on the right track. Yeah, they're five off, points yeah. from their best record uh, for points wise. So I think if, they, if the Leafs win, batter your doors up because there are going to be giant riots and there's going to be millions worth of dollars of damage. I, I think Mississauga is going to be okay. Toronto? Are up. you sure? <laughs> I th- I you saw the Raptors be... parade? It's going to be worse than that. Yeah, It's going to be four times that. I know. That's why I said Mississauga might be okay. We, we, I think we're just far enough away. Etobicoke could have some problems. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leak Etobicoke into Mississauga. It's going to leak all the way to Ottawa. I will guarantee that. Too. No, but I mean it's like the danger, level, the danger level oh, the will danger be level. Toronto... And it's Ottawa. Out. We'll have a we we'll couple weeks ago. three is going to be fucking dangerous. But we'll we'll be okay. The gardener <laughs> won't be able to hold people. Is where no. we're going to be at. Okay. <laughs> the guard. The gardener is going <laughs> to. <collapse. laughs> oh god. All right. Well, I think we've taken this conversation way too far. But <laughs> let's move on to the other Toronto team that we got to touch really quickly here. Raptors clinch a top five playoff spot. Realistically, Kyle, you weren't here last week. I'm going to ask you yeah. first. How far do you think this team could go in the playoffs the way they've been playing lately? I think I think right now they could make the second round. I think that's I think that's probably their peak. Okay. Um, I think obviously today's a huge day for the NBA because there's a chance the Bucks fall from number two and all go all the way down to number four potentially. They can't. Um, yes, they can. Ooh, they can't. How can they not? They have a head-to-head against one of the two teams. They can drop to three. Oh, okay. Can they not? They have the head-to-head against Celtics and Sixers. No, they have they have the head-to-head against one. I can't remember which one. Okay. But they have the head-to-head well, against e- one of them. Either way, it's, it's it's one of those. There's a chance that the Sixers potentially could lose that four spot too. Yes. Could end up being Boston in the first round. So it's 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 very interesting. I honestly think and it's weird to say. I think they match up against the Sixers better than they do the Celtics. So. Um, it's not a weird thing to say. That's a very obvious thing to say. Yeah. So, and especially with Thibault not being able to play in Canada because he's not vaxxed. Sorry, unconfirmed. He's not vaxxed. Just hasn't been able to play in Canada all this year. Funny how that works. <clears throat> um, so, um, I think they, I think they match up great against the Sixers. To be honest, so I think that type of matchup, I could hundred percent see them winning. Um, I think a second round matchup against the Bucks, the Heat. I don't know if they get past that. I don't know if they truly. They have scoring, but I don't know if they have the true depth scoring that they really are going to need. That's the only issue. Like Nick, Nick Nurse this entire year has essentially had a seven-man rotation. Yes. Like he, he doesn't really have a whole lot of depth going off that bench. And in the playoffs, obviously, your, your starters are going to play majority of the time, but you still have to have those extra, I would say, probably 
three, maybe four guys that you can bring in and you're not really worried about that team dipping in quality. And I don't think the Raptors have that. I think, honestly, this year, I think honestly has been a very big surprise. Um, Scotty has skyrocketed in, in terms of what people were thinking of him. So, I mean, I definitely can see them winning one round, but two rounds, I don't know. Fair enough. Irfan, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, first of all, the fact that they're fifth better than the Bulls down the stretch has been mind-blowing. Um, like, I think the Nets, if the Nets can win a couple of games, they might jump into sixth at this point. So, um, if There's like, only I mean, one game left. Oh, there's one game left. Sorry, I didn't do my math right. Never mind, we're fine. Um, no, but I, but I think <laughs> what Kyle said is right. I think they have enough depth for the first round, especially with the way they played the Sixers this year. Yeah. Shutting down Embiid, make sure Harden doesn't see anything, right? Like, that's been huge. And then the fact that if they can, whether they get the Celtics or not, like, I think that might be a tougher matchup because Boston plays a completely different ball game. They're, they're a little faster, a little bit more athletic. It's different. Um, but again, one round, I think, can happen. It's that second round against, if it's the Heat, I don't know. Like, Kyle Lowry back for a playoff series is going to be wonderful. But you saw down the stretch when even the Heat didn't have their best two players or something like that, they still won. Mm. And, and Kyle says this really well, right? Like, it's that bench. It's like, if you're going to take off Fred Van Vliet, who are you putting on that's going to give you enough confidence like, it's not Flynn, and I know I'm a huge Flynn Flan last week, we found out, but... He's a Flynn Flan. It's not Flynn. Flynn Flan. <laughs> sorry. Um, but I couldn't help it. It's I'm not. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, you're right. Like, you take Scotty off. It's like, okay, well, Boucher's in, but then you take Boucher off. You really trust anyone else to come in? Maybe good defense is what you'll have to sacrifice, or like you want for two minutes, and then... The guys are back on. Like, that's the biggest question. But it's the playoffs. And we know what Nick Nurse can do. He's so good at rotating this game. For all you know, he can find a gem on the bench and that guy goes on a hot streak or something, you know. So uh, one round is not out of the question. I mean, I think I think that gem could be Thaddeus Young. I mean, he's looked yeah. good in the limited minutes he's had. But, I mean, and I know Nick's a big fan of this guy, but Delano Banton, I don't want to see him in the playoffs. I'm sorry. No, he he hasn't looked good down the stretch, and that's fine. He's he's looked very good for the Raptors 905, and I am a fan of him, and I think he will be a big piece for this team moving forward. But the last two months, he hasn't looked great for Raptors, and that's fine. I don't mind if he doesn't play in the playoffs at all. No, I, th- I think the guys off the bench are, are going to be Precious, it's going to be Boucher, Thad Young, which is saying something because all three of those guys are forwards. So I, I don't know. Hold who, on, everyone on our team is a forward based off size. Well, sure, but I also I don't know who that guard coming off the bench is. Like, is no, it going to be Flynn? Know. Maybe maybe Flynn gets some rotation minutes. I don't know. He will. I think he will get rotation minutes because they will need to. Let alone maybe because like, it was Svi before in the beginning of the season. Now it's not. He's just disappeared. Svi's had some issues. So, I don't know. And it, all, I, see, it all depends on how OG comes back. He might if he's healthy. Yeah. I agree with you guys, though, that the first round win is, is realistic. Uh, they play the Sixers really, really well. They play them tight. Uh, Barnes has done a great job when he's had to mark Embiid in those games, um, as well as having the help with Birch. If you you mm. can't stop Embiid, like let's be very clear, you're not going to stop Embiid from putting up twenty five, thirty, thirty five points. It's going to happen. But if you can limit how 
good he is, limit how many times he gets to the free throw line, you're doing a good job, and I think they do a good job of that. Get the second round, as you said, could be very interesting. Yeah. Right? They're 2-2 two and two against Miami this year. They're 3-0 and oh against Milwaukee. I didn't realize that until I just looked at their numbers. They're 3-0 and oh against Milwaukee. Yeah, they're one. They're one and zero against Giannis. Giannis didn't play two of the games. They're three and zero against Milwaukee, though. Even if Giannis only played in one game, they're one and zero against Giannis. They they match up well. I I honestly think they match up well against both of those teams. Miami is more dangerous because they have more people who can score, and that's fine. Yeah, but they match up well against Miami, player for player. And we we talked about this. You this was like a month and a half ago, but we talked about that they do match up okay against Miami. So. You win that first round. You get some momentum. You beat Philly again. And you're the underdog. Yep. And this team loves to play that underdog role. So I would not be shocked if they win two rounds. Mm-hmm. But I, as I said, I think realistically it's one round and you're out. Yep. Right? Yep. I think that's, that's the most realistic. And it's I want to wrap up thing. the season. Sorry, Irfan, what? I said it's not a bad thing. We didn't think this they were going to be a top team. was supposed to be a playoff team. They're supposed, was, to was, they were supposed to be a playing team. They're supposed to win thirty-six games. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't expect that from no. I, they at the two... beginning of the year, do you remember what I said? How many wins that they were going to have? And you guys both kind of looked at me like, eh, I don't know about and you. That. You said forty, didn't you? I said forty-two because I said they were going to be just above five hundred. I'm thankful that I was wrong. <laughs> They've been very entertaining to watch. State 42 um, would have just gotten the play in. Yeah. No, I know. They didn't, they need, got more than that. I didn't, I didn't have to worry. Um, quickly, end of the season, I want to ask what has impressed you the most about this team this year? Kyle, I'll start with you. Be a player, gotta, it can be anything. Got to be Scotty for me. That's the biggest, like, as a rookie coming in, didn't know what expectations have to be. Yeah. To be honest, it's one of those, like, <clears throat> biggest thing was like where well one was where is he going to fit with OG healthy Gary Trent Van Lee Pascal we there wasn't really a potential true opening spot for him yeah. right you thought OG maybe him in the small forward you got Kem Burge or Precious at the at the five Pascal at the four <clears throat> where is Scotty going to fit yep I mean they kind of fixed the lineups to be around Scotty and Scotty has impressed by doing everything. There's certain games where he goes off, puts up 25 plus points. There's other games where he puts up 10 points, 10 boards, seven assists. Like he's almost, almost like a triple double guy who's like in the makings. Oh, exactly. And he's like one of those, it's been elite defense. And the biggest question for Scotty was always offense. And he's yeah. proven that he can do offense if, he, if yeah. he's required to be that guy. So to me, that's been the, the, the biggest thing for the Raptors has been that. Yeah, agree. Erifon? Well, just to add quickly to Kyle. The fact that Scotty's played two or three different positions this year has been crazy. Like he's been good at all three as well. Um, the fact that so the, the guy can go from anywhere from the two role to the five is kind of impressive. Played center yeah. and he's played shooting guard. Like, I, like honestly, I, I think the most impressive part is that they rely on him to guard the best player. Yeah, him and OG he's are a, marking he's the a two rookie. Best. Yeah, he's a rookie. Yep. Yeah, this is just good drafting. Like, yeah. Much love to the upper management, but the most thing that uh, the thing that's impressed me the most this season, Nick Nurse. Like you've seen how short his bench has been. Uh, you know, like when he won the championship, a lot of 
like I heard a lot of people say it's like, oh, it's just like the leftover parts of what Dwayne Casey left with this team. Like it's Dwayne Casey has cemented his role as a top uh, coach because he kind of put the foundation there. Nick Nurse just added another layer. Yeah. He keeps adding his own stamp. Uh, what he does for Canada basketball, then he does for the Raptors. Like he is a good, good coach. Like if you were to put him on Lakers, for example, I don't think the Lakers are toiling at the bottom of that Western conference because he's that good. So, I mean, maybe that's an over-exaggeration because, you know, I'm a bias to it, but I think he's impressed me the most. And it's not a player, it's the coach. Yeah. All right. I'm going to quickly wrap this up because Kyle, I know you have to go. I do. Yes. So my most impressive, as, as impressive as Scotty has been, Precious Achua has been the sh- most shocking guy to me. I didn't expect him to have as good of a season as he had. He's definitely grown into it throughout the year. But since the Rising Stars Challenge, he has been one of our most important pieces, in my opinion, down the stretch. I've been very impressed with him. Final thoughts, Kyle, hit it quickly. Um, final thoughts. Well, I'm going to go very somber so you guys can pick up the mood after this. Um, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. Unfortunately, he passed away yesterday. Um, Still a lot of details to come out about the actual death. Uh, basically got hit by a, a dump truck, which is very unfortunate on the highway. So um, very thoughts go out to him and his family. Obviously, it's it's not anything you want to lose, especially you know, a player in the sport you love to watch. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. So that's my final thought. All right, buddy. Get out of here. All right. I'll see you later. Yeah. Irfan, um, hit me with your final thought. I can't, hard to follow up what Kyle said, but uh, Ryan Gaslaff is retiring at the end of the season. So uh, one of the top gentlemen of the last decade or so, a big, huge part of the Canadian national team uh, winning golds. And even in his junior career and him and Corey Perry just being this phenomenal duo for the Ducks for a very long time. Uh, but we've seen the change in the garden in Anaheim for quite some time. And it's, 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 it's a high time that he retires or whether he was moved at the trade deadline or not, but you know, great, great career. Very happy for him, but going to miss him around the league for sure. Yeah. And you look back to those ducks teams. It was always him and Corey Perry. Yeah. Bobby one, of first kinda, two. one of them, you kind of don't like the way Corey Perry does some stuff, especially yeah. since he's gone to Montreal. No offense. Like he's been kind of a pest. <laughs> Never had anything bad to say about Getzlaff. No. Right? Like he was, he's kind of like Jonathan Taves, right? Like just a guy who everyone kind of liked. Or mm. um, maybe not Bergeron. Taves over the last year. Yeah. Or Bergeron, right? Like no yeah. one ever has any problems with Bergeron. No, I would say the same thing with JT John Tavares at the Leafs. I think a lot yeah. of people respect him around the league. I think it's that level of respect and camaraderie that you go. I can't shit talk this player because he's actually very good. It's like that yeah. clip from Drew Doughty yelling at a, a fourth line Ducks player a couple of years ago, and then gets left, just skates by, and he's like, "Yeah, can't say anything now because what do you have on on Getz?" Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's just like you can't really hate Getzlaff. No, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um. He'll get his. He'll get his jersey retired. At the end of it, it's going to be great. Yes, it's going to be a wonderful would. ceremony. He should. You'd think he would. I can't think of why he wouldn't. No, I know. He'll get his jersey retired right. in the old Ducks jersey, the one I really like, the one I always tell you about. That one. 
yes, that one. Um, my final thought. I didn't. I actually didn't think about this. Got to think about this now. Um, any women are doing their celebration tour out west right now for the women's mm. national soccer team. It it's well overdue. First of all. But Stephanie Labe played her last ever Canadian match on Friday. Got subbed out. Like I think it was like ten minutes left or twenty minutes left in the game, so that she could get a standing ovation, which was the right way to do it by Bev Priestman. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. But you realize this was also a celebration not only of the Olympic gold, which was necessary. This was a celebration of Christine St. Clair breaking the international goal scoring record, even though it happened like a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. How overdue was that celebration? Everything was overdue. The, the <laughs> legacy of this team, the stars that we've seen over the last couple of years, Cincy, Labe, like you mentioned, um, it just feels good to watch soccer do well yeah. in Canada. And like the women have started it. They've paved the way. And now you see the men's team trying to pick that up a little bit. So it's a good future for, for Canada soccer. And all thanks to the women's side, like, if Cincy isn't banging in goals or winning, uh, you know, medals and playing well and being the spokesperson that she is, you know, soccer isn't where it's at. No, not even close. And it's a well overdue celebration. It's something that needed to happen. They play another game. Oh, is it tomorrow? It's Nigeria it's, again, I believe, right? It's Nigeria again. I just can't remember if it's tonight or it's tomorrow. Oh, I should know this before I start talking about it. No, here, I'll find it. That's bad. That's really That's bad, though. It's uh, today. Today. Yeah, okay, so it is tonight. Yeah. yeah it's at 10.30, I believe. In That's Calgary, what... I believe, right? It's out on the West Coast. Yeah, I know Vancouver was the first game. I'm pretty sure this one's Calgary. Um, It's well overdue. It's something that needed to happen. And, mm-hmm. Irfan, I'm going to have a little fun with you. Are you ready? Okay. Where does Stephanie Labe rank among all-time great Canadian goalkeepers, men's and women? In your mind. I asked Nico Giantsopoulos from York United this uh, on Footy First on TSN 1050. So I'm curious what you have to, to say, episode. and then I'll add what he said. Sure. So I haven't heard that episode just yet. It'll be, it's on my list for this week. But Good. So you, you're not influenced. I'm not biased to an instant. No, no. <laughs> you know, I always think of Craig Forrest. As the guy for Canada yep. soccer in, in that, and I hate to say this, but I think she's past him, or okay. she's she's very close to him in that in that conversation. I think again, it's one of those. Let's talk about it in a year and see what else has happened because we've had some good Canadian women's goalkeepers over the last five, six, seven years. Um, right, LeBlanc comes to mind for me as well. So. I don't know. It's always been Craig Forrest. I don't think anyone's ever going to pass him, but she's very, very, very close. That gold medal and the walk-off celebration in that Nigeria game, you're just like, I think we might see the best women's goalkeeper of all time. Has she passed Craig Forrest? Yeah. That's a conversation that I can actually have with you and say, probably. No, I asked because like, there's, there's always been the two male ones. It was Pat Onstead. And Craig Forrest, right? Those were the right. two keepers. She's passed Pat Onstad for me. Right? And then on the women's side, it's been Karina LeBlanc and her. Like, yeah. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we haven't had some other great keepers. Like This country has actually done a great job 
producing goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. The one position that we've been very good at. Who's the... But where does she break? I think... I think she's the best women's keeper. She just yes. passes LeBlanc. But LeBlanc, LeBlanc is right there. Like, they are 1A, 1B almost in my head. I think so. With yeah, Labe wrong. being 1A. Labe winning the, right. the gold is what? No, like, okay, I don't put... As much as you have to put team medals and stuff like that into perspective and put them on their thing, when I look at great players or great goalkeepers, I look at what they were able to do, right? So right. for me... Pat Onstead and Craig Forrest never won anything, right? We know that. So I think you're right. I think it's second for me, but it's those top four. Like, those top four are very, very interchangeable. So I'm kind of interested to see where she ends up ranking in, as you said, five years, ten years from now. I will add, I do think Riley Foster, yep. if she gets back healthy, can surpass Lafayette. I think her athleticism and her ability on and off the ball is very good. Whoa. Very good. Whoa. Very, very good. She is a <laughs> wonderful goalkeeper. I'm not denying and that, but whoa. <laughs> no, I know. But I've also made that statement about uh, Donnarumma being better than Buffon at the end of his career. Yes. But I could see right? that one right out of the gate. Like, yeah. That one makes sense to me. But if we've seen anything from Riley Foster, especially with playing in England and getting that exposure to good goalkeeping and good play. Yeah. I can see it happen. I think I think Sheridan can be a top five goalkeeper of all time as well for Canada. Yeah. But I think Riley Foster has the potential to be better than LeBlanc and Sheridan and maybe even better than Lappe. Okay. And let's not forget we have two great keepers right now on the men's side too. Milan Borian will probably end up getting his name put in that top five category at some point. Of course. And Maxime Crepeau has the ability to as well. This guy is yeah. a very, very good keeper. He is. Um, and then Nico mentioned two very good keepers playing in the in the MLS right now as well. Uh, their name. Uh, Pantamis. Yes. In Montreal. Like they have a high ceiling. And uh, Dane St. Clair. There you go. They have Saint a high ceiling. St. Clair is good. <laughs> guy, they that have, guy is good. They have a high ceiling, but I think the reason why Craig Forrest and, and Pat Onstead hit that top level is because we grew up watching them at that yep. level. Yep. And they're so, like, they just left that legacy and the name. But I think and if you're looking so, at... They were that good. They were. But now if we're t- talking about the next generation, we have some very good goalkeepers coming yeah, up. And, you know, Foster for me is one of them. If she comes back healthy, she's Fair one enough. of them. Fair enough. Well, that'll do it for today. If you want to follow us, it's at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. If you're looking for us individually, it's at Nick McVicker on Twitter and Instagram. For myself, at Irfan Manji on Twitter and Instagram. For Irfan, when Kyle is at Kyle Vardy, he did have to leave early. But hey, I mean, he's going to a Jays game, so we can allow it. Make sure you tune in next week. We got a lot to cover uh, because you know what's kind of sneaking up on us here, Irfan, that we haven't really talked about yet? Oh, what? The NFL draft is in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> we talked about Oopsie. the combines and everything. Oops. <laughs> it's kind of sneaking up. And not to mention the CFL draft is a week after that. It sure is. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. 
So uh, make sure you tune in next week. We'll also be looking at NBA playoffs because they start next weekend. Um, first games are on Saturday. The play-in tournament yep. is happening this weekend or this week, so get to watch that as well. The two teams are coming out of the play-in, correct? Ooh, yeah, from each conference. Okay. okay, the Hawks are hot. Keep an eye Hawks on those hot. guys. Hot. The Hawks do not match up well against the Milwaukee or Miami. No, but they're hot coming in. They are. That's good. I'll give you that. I'm giving you that credit. But yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I cut we'll you. See off who's there. playing. Uh, NHL should have their playoffs more sorted out by the time we get to next weekend. Not sorted out, but more sorted out. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Lots mm-hmm. to talk about next weekend. So make sure you tune in right here on Garage Door Sports. We want to thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.